0: the six thirty Chad afternoon news with Jaylen Nye weekdays at two
1: on six thirty Chad
0: last year in Alberta seven hundred and eighty nine people died from an accidental opioid related poisoning the the most recent numbers show in the first quarter of this year one hundred and thirty seven people have died that's compared to one hundred and sixty people during the same time last year well that's a tiny bit of good news for those who have lost a loved one. There's still so very much to do. Uh, tomorrow is International Overdose Awareness Day. And the organizer, Angela Welts, along with uh, Petra Schultz, the co-founder of Mum Stop the Harm, joined me in studio. Thanks uh, for both of you coming in on this Friday afternoon. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jitlind. Thank you. Now, um, just to, to give um, my listeners some perspective, and Petra, you've been on on the show before. You have shared your story. Your son died of an accidental overdose a couple of years back. Now,
1: actually, it's five years ago. Five, five years 2014. ago, 2014. Danny was one of the early victims before fentanyl was on the news and mm. before there were health warnings. Yeah.
0: Oh boy. And and Angela, your your daughter. Uh, passed away,
2: yeah, my daughter Zoe passed away in November two thousand and sixteen
0: from accidental fentanyl overdose. And how old was she? She was eighteen wow and and again, I know both of you um, never thought that that was a possibility that something like this could happen. You never do, do you
1: you don't you don't until it hits you did you know what Uh,
2: For Zoe, we had a couple of um, things happen in our lives at the end of 2015. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Zoe was um, affected by those traumatic events Mm -hmm. in our family, a couple of losses. And her dad was also diagnosed with cancer, um, terminal cancer. Mm -hmm. And so she was, you know, 15 at the time and just had a really hard time emotionally dealing with that. And uh, we, of course, were in cancer mode, so we were trying to support her dad through his cancer journey and um, so we sort of fell through the cracks Uh, and before we knew it she was self-medicating using marijuana and then afterwards using um, uh, pills that she got from friends and then she went on to uh, illicit drugs on the street,
0: you know, oftentimes when uh, we talk about addiction on this show, um, I'll get texts on the old text line over here that say, "You know what? They've chosen to take those uh, those pills. It's their fault." Um, and um, there, in some cases, very little. I, I'm looking at your face, Angela, when I when I say that. And and in some cases, there is very little sympathy. Um, we need to reframe how we talk about. I think, addictions and and overdoses, don't you?
1: Oh, very much so. Uh, what we say that um, problematic substance use or addiction is really a health condition It has to be viewed as such and it has to be treated like that. And we have to offer people compassion and care. When somebody uses substances in the way in which our Danny did to self-medicate severe social anxiety or in the way Zoe did, medicating her trauma, we always have to ask, why is that person turning to substances? Mm-hmm underneath. We have to deal with what's underneath to really help the person. It's not a matter of choice. They, It's not something that a person suddenly arrived at. It's, it's a progression. And, you know, there are some
0: people out there and some of these, uh, the, I think some of the fentanyl overdoses have been, you know, it's thought they were getting something else, a party drug and then they end up dying and that happens and again this goes back to you know some people say well they've made that choice but Other people say, well, you make that choice to pour yourself, you know, a a whiskey and Coke, and you're not getting crapped all over for doing that.
1: Exactly. When you, we have um, safe consumption sites for alcohol all (laughs) over the place. You know, you can go in there. You can consume something of a known quantity, of a known concentration in a safe setting. People um, take your key away. Hopefully, if you had a little too much, you know, your friends will drive you home and such. Uh, So we don't have that danger there. And um, people people who use other substances. Uh, Right now, the the illicit supply is so toxic. Mm. It is hard to tell. And we have members in our organization, maybe whose child tried once, or maybe they did a line of Coke once a month, Uh, but then once they picked up one that had fentanyl in it Mm. and they died tragically. So a lot is related to prohibition. And, you know, and and with alcohol prohibition, we had the same problem. We had moonshine.
0: Yeah. How hard it is, you know, it, that's just, sorry. Let me re, reframe that. It has to be incredibly hard to to talk about this. I mean, five years ago, um, three years ago, you didn't ever think that you'd be you'd be talking about your children's death on the air, and 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 talking about cocaine and and a fentanyl. I mean, this has been something that the two of you have have taken on in the hopes of making sure that nobody else goes through this. Um, But nobody expects that, right? Like you, you, a learning curve for you, isn't it?
1: I always say I was once a soccer mom. <laughs> um, I, you know, you don't grow up to be a, a harm reduction or drug policy reform ab- advocate. It's something I arrived at after Danny died, many of us, Angela as well, after your kids die, you look at it like first you think you've been a bad mom and people tell you your kid made bad choices, but then you, then you look at the the system we have and how our drug policies are designed and the lack of support mm. for people's struggles, mental health, all this. And and as we are starting to unpack that, we realize, no, there is stuff that could have prevented this. It's a preventable nature of these deaths that make them so hard.
0: You talk about Danny and and self-medicating with his, social, uh, his, his anxiety and you talk about Zoe dealing with what was the trauma that was going through your family. What would have helped your family's at that point, I mean, um, you, what do we need to do more for families going through trauma, going through issues? More support, for sure, absolutely. In what form? What does that look like? Well,
2: the problem is it's really hard to answer that question because every family has a different mm-hmm. different dynamic. In my case, Zoe was 15 yeah. when she started. So, you know, you're dealing with a total different situation than Danny. Zoe was 15. She was a youth. Um, she could hide a little bit twi- bet- behind the Youth Offender Act. Um, You would think that there was more support available for her, but there was not. As she started to get into her uh, drug use, she became entangled with the law. Mm. And so she had a lot of um, cases where she had to go to court. And those court cases were always stayed. There was never enough information or the lawyer wasn't available or, you know, for whatever reason. They basically just didn't help her. And then at one point when she did have a probation officer that we felt that, oh, you know, here's finally an adult that might take a little bit of responsibility as her probation officer. The probation officer was really not helpful at
0: all. Was there an opportunity to put her into some sort of treatment, or was there any room for her in a treatment center? The
2: only opportunity, well, the only opportunity for us at that time was the PCHAD program, Mm. which is basically a 10-day detox, which we did twice. Mm. Um, And both times, um, she left the center angrier, um, than she had gone in. So, and so
0: that just made it worse. So you yeah. know, 10 days, yeah. but long-term, there's, there's nothing. No. nothing and,
2: there. and a couple of times when she did show interest and she said she was ready, she was going to go to a you know, facility, there was a three-week wait, wait the first time and the second time it was six weeks. Mm. Um, and she couldn't wait that long. You know, We, we need help for these people, kids and adults, w- right away.
0: Mm. Oh. Pedro, when we look at some of these uh, new numbers that have come out, those first quarter numbers, seeing a decrease in the number of, um, of the, uh, the accidental opioid-related uh, poisonings, what goes through your mind?
1: It's encouraging. It's, you know, it's still too, too many people because everybody is somebody, someone. Mm -hmm. Um, But to see the trend go in the right direction for the first time in a long time is encouraging because it shows what we're doing in harm reduction, ready access to treatment and and those things are starting to take hold. So typically in healthcare, when your treatment method is working. (laughs) you do more of it. Mm -hmm. You make it available to more people and that's what I'd like to see. There was also an interesting study out of BC that showed without harm reduction, their death toll would have been 2.5 times the number it is right now. So that shows me that harm reduction works and uh, um, I want to see more of it.
0: How difficult is it for you to see uh, what's been going on with the the, the safe injection sites with with the government's stance on the safe injection sites?
1: I have been losing so much sleep over that because, you know, when harm reduction saves lives, taking it away will cost lives. And these families will be on our doorstep. They will be contacting Angela for grief support, information on grief support. They will be joining our group and uh, they will be grieving. Uh, That is just so hard that they're life-saving measures and they should not be halted. They should be immediately implemented in Medicine Hat. They're waiting east Calgary is waiting, um, Red Deer has an overdose prevention site that has a license until October mm. and those should be implemented now.
0: Um, Premier Kenny, uh, on the campaign trail, I was going through some some old uh, papers mm-hmm. uh, today and it says, you know, Alberta UCP leader, this was before mm. uh, the Premier was elected, promises more beds, uh, opioid treatment programs. Uh, what have you seen on that front?
1: We haven't, they haven't really announced that yet, and we fully support more treatment and more beds. You know, we are are for recovery, but what we have learned the hard way is that dead people don't recover. You know, (laughs) first, the first step is to keep people alive. That's why harm reduction is so important. And what we have learned as well, you know, a person is not gonna be ready to take that step every day. Um, You have to be there for the person in the right moment. And that's what supervised consumption sites do so well. They connect people. Uh,
0: a letter was just uh, written to uh, to the provincial government um, I think 60 organizations yeah. on that tell me about that.
1: Well this letter just outlines again to the Premier and to the Minister of Health and the Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addiction um, the research that supports how supervised consumption services save lives but how they also have helped communities for example here in Edmonton needle debris is is down by a huge amount um, and this there uh, Reports that show that for every dollar spent on harm reduction, five dollars in other costs like health care, policing, corrections, uh, com- mm-hmm. community costs are saved. want to talk, I uh, want to take
0: a break here. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about some of those, uh, a couple of those uh, that Oklahoma lawsuit uh, from earlier this week. I think in BC and Ontario, there's mm-hmm. some lawsuits there. I want to talk about um, uh, uh, training, uh, naloxone training, mm-hmm. and the importance of that because I think a lot of people think oh, I don't need this, I don't need mm-hmm. to know how to do it. Let's talk about that. We'll continue more with Petra Saltz, the co-founder of Mom Stop the Harm, and Angela Wells, the chief organizer of the International Overdose Awareness Day, which takes place in Edmonton tomorrow. We'll tell you more of those details coming right up. We continue our conversation this afternoon with Petra Schultz and uh, Angela Wells. Um, the International Overdose Awareness Day in Edmonton is is tomorrow. Um, the the Edmonton it's going to take place from six thirty to ten at Victoria Park at River Valley Road on uh, site six. It's the east end of the park. The official program starting at seven forty five, eight thirty. There's going to be a candlelight vigil, and we'll move to River Valley Road and uh, the high level bridge, being lit up. Uh, as well, that's right. Lit okay. up in
2: purple in honor of the day.
0: So, um, when we were just before the break, wanted to talk about um, a, a couple of things. You know, I have I have a number of friends who I've seen on Facebook pages and stuff like that. They've they've um, you know brought home the the naloxone kits and just saying, you know, educate yourself. You might not ever need to do it, but just in case you do. um, How important is that? Uh, Obviously, I know you guys believe that it is very important, but what do you say to those people saying, it's never going to happen to me. I don't need it.
1: For me, it's like knowing first aid. Mm. You know, uh, when Danny died, I had not known about Naloxone before. It wasn't readily available at the time. And I often imagine what it would have been like to have that available, you know, and find somebody in time. It is Uh, such a powerful tool that we have and uh, we are very fortunate in Alberta it's free you can go to any pharmacy and if you feel a little Funny about having uh, mm-hmm. that maybe on your health record you don't have to give your name or your health number hmm. um they can just uh, f- fill out the paperwork and um, it's fully covered they give you a little bit of training or you can come down tomorrow to our event we will have street works one of the harm reduction agencies here in the city uh they do a naloxone training and uh, they will be on site you can get training and you can get a kit and it makes we've heard people um one of um, our um, or other organizations we work with, Change the Face of Addiction mm-hmm. in Calgary. Um, one of the members there walked across campus at the UFC, and somebody she found somebody laying on the grass, and she pulled out her naloxone kit, called nine one one. And that person was saved. In the
0: news over the past uh, couple of weeks, there's been just a talk and reminder again about the, uh, the Good Samaritan Drug Overdose Act. For those who don't know what that is, can you, can you explain a little bit about that?
1: Well, what the act does, it really, it, it's like a little mini decriminalization. You won't get charged uh, with personal mispossession, with simple possession, um, if you are calling 911 um, if there is an overdose. Um, I, in my personal opinion if you call 911 in case of overdose sh- police shouldn't come, it should be the ambulance uh. but even if police do show up, they, they won't charge you and actually I'm very thankful to the RCMP for uh, educating the public on, on that. One of our members in Saskatoon, Maria Argerichis, uh, her young son Kelly died with his friend by his side because a friend was too afraid to call mm-hmm. 911 and unsuccessfully tried to get a hold of his dad and by the time he did it was too Late. And uh. Marie went and talked to the Senate about it mm. to promote the law.
0: Uh, listen, talking about uh, law, uh, I think just this past week on Monday, Tuesday, an Oklahoma judge ordered Johnson and Johnson to pay 572.1 million to the state for quote ravaging the state of Oklahoma when it comes to um, opioids and uh, for contributing to the rampant use of the of highly addictive painkillers. BC and Ontario also have a lawsuit. I know that um, there there was hope that that uh, that settlement would have been much higher, but it's a
1: start. It's a start. It's really important to hold these companies accountable for what they have done, also to protect future patients. I mean, it's not the first time that pharma has put uh, profits over people, if you think back to thalidomide and Mm. cases like that. So it's important to hold them accountable but what I'm always afraid is you know, these lawsuits take so much money and um, then they go, they appeal and it drags on for a long time. We don't want to be at a distraction from dealing what we're dealing with right now, which is a crisis of illicit drugs
0: yes and you know but you know I I was going to you touched on this you said the illicit Mm -hmm. drugs but I also think are we starting to see a change with the over prescribing of uh, of these painkillers as well uh, thanks to um, you know some some new rules regulations coming down with uh, the different medical associations are you seeing that
1: um we are, we are seeing a change, but we have to be careful. You um, have to differentiate between patients who are new to opioids and patients who are on them right now. If you take off people who are on yeah. opioids right now, you drive them to the illicit market yeah. and their lives are at risk. So I hope that doctors uh, really use their best judgment and get the best education possible and be very careful with new patients.
0: This, uh, your event tomorrow, is this the first time that this event has been held here in Edmonton? This is the second event that we were- Organized, and so uh,
2: last year we got rained out, and this year we're hoping that the suns will. That, that we won't get rained out.
0: Hopefully, it'll just be nice weather without mm-hmm. rain. Yeah. And and so with it, you bring together uh, a community and your supporters. Um, what does that What does that do for for, for for the community? Well, it's a it's a place to come together with others who
2: are going through the same grief that we are all feeling. Uh, grief I, I mentioned earlier today is it's really palpable for us today um, as we lead lead up to Overdose Awareness Day. We're talking about it a lot more and that brings up the grief um quite a bit so tomorrow evening it'll be an opportunity for those people who have lost loved ones to come together with others who have lost loved ones as well as those who are also struggling a lot of our families actually have lost a family member but also have another one who is struggling as well so it's not it's not the end for a lot of people you know Uh, families are struggling really really hard in this province
0: when we um we're almost out of time, so. And first off, I want to thank you for for joining us. And again, and I'm getting texts coming in saying thank you for your strength and in sharing your story and being willing to to talk about it, uh, Danny. And, and Zoe, we say their names and uh, we see that the work that their moms are doing and their families are doing in the hopes that no other families go through this. Uh, for those who might be listening right now who are going through this or are struggling with, you know, maybe some challenges in their family with some addictions, um, my final last words will go to you. What I'll start with you, Angela. What do you say to those families? Save have
2: uh, just not to give up hope, it's really important. And if they need help, get in touch with Mom Stop the Harm learn as much as you can about what is going on and about harm reduction. Mums Stop the Harm has a Facebook page, a website, get in touch with them. That's how I um, was able to make it through to today is by getting in touch with mom stop the harm and um, if they have lost a loved one healing hearts peer support group is available to them so they can contact us at Edmonton at gmail.com or come to the event tomorrow evening petra
1: Carrie naloxone Huh. That's the first thing I always tell a family: pick up an naloxone kit, be prepared, inform yourself about harm reduction, and inform yourself about tre- treatment. There's a government website, Drugsafe.ca. Um, we are also very fortunate in this province to have a virtual opioid agonist treatment program, so you can get your t- kid on on treatment through something like Telehealth um, with a phone call, and there is information on that Drugsafe.ca government site. So, and and don't don't give up, and make make sure you stay in. In touch, stay connected, show your loved one that you care.
0: And Petra, Angela, keep pushing, keep fighting keep fighting and uh, again the event tomorrow August 31st from 6:30 to 10 at Victoria Park on River Valley Road site 6 uh the program gets underway at 7:45 8:30 is the candlelight vigil and if you're driving around tomorrow night and you see the high level bridge uh lit up in purple it is the official color for international overdose awareness day thank you both for sharing your story thanks for joining me today
1: thank, thank you thank you Dylan